this episode of Stars Like Us, I am here with the beautiful drag queen, Pickle. Hi. Who also happens to be my cousin, Joe. No no way. (laughs) Surprise. This is a surprise to me. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for recording this episode of Stars Like Us with me. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Celebrity you... astrologer. Oh my Lisa god! Kelly. I'm flattered. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, and then we'll just take it from there. Yeah, I am a drag queen in Los Angeles. I do, you know, a lot of events around town. Um, I do shows. I'm. I sing. I <laughs> dance you... lightly. <laughs> And I and you when you say you sing you like really sing you don't just lip sing no I don't lip sync I sing I sing live I I love show tunes and um, I also do drag queen story hour which is a children's program which is exactly what it sounds like drag queens reading storybooks to children and it's so much fun and I actually run the LA chapter here um are there multiple is it a national program yeah it's actually international there's Ooh. um programs throughout the world we really keep it very like local and very casual um but you know there's the mothership is in brooklyn is in is in new york city and and then there's just chapters throughout the country and we all kind of do our own thing but but we stay in in contact with so how did that begin what is the story of drag queen story hour well and tell it to me as a story yeah (laughs) (laughs) Long ago, (laughs) the eve of time, um, this wonderful woman, Michelle T, who is just one of my favorite people in the world. She's super creative. She's just uh, an explosion of whimsy and fabulosity. Um, She... Um, has a child and (laughs) she she went, I think they, I, I could be getting some of this wrong. The, the, the minute details could be a little incorrect. That's okay. Disclaimer. Um, they went to a story hour in San Francisco and she was just like, she was like, I need like a queer, like I need it to be more like fun. Like, you know, and she, it just occurred to her that it would be so fun to have a drag queen where, um, to have a drag queen read stories to kids and that it would be something that she would love to take her kids to. So they started it with Radar um, Productions in San Francisco and it just took off. And then I think she moved to New York and they were doing it there. And then she moved to LA and, and this guy, Michael Gonzalez really wanted to do it here. So then I just happened to be working like a brunch and ran into Michael, who knew my stepmom, <laughs> and then like we talked, and he was like, "Oh, we want to start it here." And I was like, "Okay, that sounds like fun." And so I did the first one here in Los Angeles, and then it's just taken off. It's such a fun program that libraries really love doing it, and so it's it's kind of a no brainer. So, what do you think makes it special to, you know, let's say I'm a Let's say I'm a kid, right? Let's Which say you are. Oh, thank you. Let's say like none of these wrinkles exist. <laughs> and I'm 16. I'm, <laughs> well, no, let's go even. I'm six. I'm six. I'm six. So here I am like ready to be told 
a story, mm-hmm. like as any six-year-old is, what do you think makes it special to be told this story by a drag queen as opposed to a librarian or a teacher or a parent or anyone else? I think that, you know, a good storyteller is a good storyteller. And I think the reason Drag Queen Story Hour is so effective with kids is that drag queens are just naturally, like, fabulous performers. Like, drag queens are excellent storytellers. Drag is really fun. A lot of the core values that um, drag queens have, like, you know, joy, laughter, expression, are values that we want to instill in our children. So it's just kind of like... You know, it makes sense. Like, we've got fabulous costumes. We have fun voices. We're very expressive. Like, kids respond well to that. And just, like, and, you know, that's just, like, the brass tacks. Like, kids respond well to those characters. And then on kind of a subconscious level, they're being um, introduced to the idea of acceptance and and just taking things for face value and, and allowing you know, people to be whatever they want to be, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. And I really um, emphasize to the kids, like, you know, gender is not a multiple choice question. It's you can be whatever you want to be today. And a lot of the kids just respond well because it's fun and it's silly and drag is a really exciting thing to see. And kids don't get to see it a lot because traditionally drag has been performed in bars and more adult spaces. But, um, you know, so that's exciting. And then there's also the kids that I come into contact with that we all come into contact with everyone who does it, who, you know, it's really special to them. And it's really important. Like I, there was this kid who we'll call Rebecca. Um, he came to a story hour that I did in a museum and he was wearing this like beautiful red dress and, and I, I do like kind of a photo meet and greet afterwards where the kids take pictures of me and and his mom kind of like whispered to me on the side that this was the first time he was wearing a dress in public. And like that was really special to me because, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't see even when I was growing up in like, you know, not that long ago, I didn't see any of that. You know, I didn't know that that pickles existed or that like, you know, drag queen, I didn't know what drag was and I didn't know that you could be whatever you wanted in the moment and that it was like available to us. So it's really special to me to be able to show kids like me that that that's something that they can do and that there's no shame in that and that there's no commitment to it and that they can express themselves however they want day to day. Do you find, have you found any kids to be like like who are you oh all the time (laughs) kids are kids one of the reasons i love performing for kids is that they just they say whatever's on their mind and it's so fun and and fun to like interact shameless riff off of they are shameless like i have this one kid who is like why do you sound like a man (laughs) and it's just really funny what and what is your response I just like make a joke of it. I'm like, "Ah, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a genderless creature. (laughs) Um, And like, you know, you get to like kind of comedically educate them. But, you know, kids just they respond to what's in front of them and they're just curious. And I think the more open minded we are and the more 
available we are to just kind of have fun and educate the better you know I had I did a story hour just like last week I was walking I wanted to go down the slide and I was walking over and all the kids were like gathering around my feet running along like making up their own little game and I overheard one of the boys being like oh my god it's the giant Uh, (laughs) and I turned to him and I was like I'm not a giant (laughs) and he was like we're just pretending (laughs) and he was so concerned he was like we're pretending we're pretending you're a giant he was very upset that I was that I was upset (laughs) but oh my god that is precious and, and I love kids they're so they're just so sweet and so giving and so you know generous with their love I and watched their I'm a, like s- such a fan of your Instagram I'm like like a creepy fan practically and you posted just recently this video of you with all of the kids sliding down a slide and I mean you alone like watching you in your full getup sliding down this slide at this playground was already hilarious but then the second time I watched it, I watched the kids in the background and their facial expressions, and they were so worried. They, like, they were they really... All, all the adults warned me. I love slot. Like, I, you can't... Like, when I get on a playground, I just, like, I love it. I love <laughs> pickle slot. or no pickle. So pickle or pickle. I am such a child at heart. Um, they The adults warned me as I walked over. They were like, that slide is really fast. <laughs> And I was like, sure, 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 whatever. Like, in my mind, I'm like, why are these adults so pressed about this, like, slide? Like, I'm an adult. Like, I'll be fine. And the interesting thing is that, like, being in drag, like, you know, I've got, like, tights and, like, everything on me is, like, a little bit, like, slicker. (laughs) (laughs) So that slide was so fast. It was actually terrifying. And I think the kids, like, knew... (laughs) And they were like, "Oh no!" Yeah, there is this one. There's this one little girl in like a purple outfit in the background, and her she like her mouth is just a, a gaping, like just shocked and worried. And she came up to you, and it was like coming up to an accident scene. Like she approached with such caution and care to make sure that you were okay. Well, everyone commented, like a lot of people like commented, Drag Queen Story Hour posted it and people were like, oh, that's so sweet that the children were coming over to like make sure she was okay. And the reality of it is that they were gathering to like mock me, <laughs> like laugh at me <laughs> and like tease me in a, in a cute way. But like the video cuts out. So it makes it seem like all the kids are like, oh, like, let's help her get up. But they were actually like, the giant! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't. I could have been dead. They would have. <laughs> they would have laughed. <laughs> killed, the killed the giant. Killed the giant. We're just pretending. We're just pretending, just pretending. you're dead. <laughs> okay, but then, you know, the, the moon comes up. Mm-hmm. And then... Pickle is no longer doing Drag Queen Story Hour. Now Pickle is... Transforming into tran- a werewolf. Transforming into a werewolf for adults. Common, I I like to emphasize that performing for drunk gay men is identical to performing for children. <laughs> I swear. I employ the same tactics at Drag Queen Story Hour that I, that I use 
performing for adults. Like when I'm hosting shows in bars, like I talk to the adults the same way I talk to the children. That is amazing. <laughs> and it works. It works. It really works. So like what are some of the do you have any like expressions or statements that you could think of right now? I'm just like, what's your name? That's so cool. Where are you from? Like just like <laughs> my tone of voice. It's like Tell us about yourself. Like, you have to speak very slowly and clearly and, like, assert your authority, especially with adults, because they'll just go haywire. And so when... So Pickle is a character who I actually have watched evolve from the very beginning, um, Mm. which I'm... It's... I guess that's maybe why I'm such a fan stan, is because... Early on, when you were beginning to explore this character, um, Pickle has gone through, I guess, many iterations, but has been sort of consistent, at least for quite a while. How would you describe Pickle and, and her personality? It's interesting when you kind of develop a character, or when I develop a character, um, I can only speak for myself, but... No, speak for everyone. I speak for everyone, all drag queens. <laughs> I speak for everyone. I speak for literally every person. <laughs> um, it's interesting when I developed this character because it really feels like it's an evolution, but there are things that are just consistent. Like, you know, when Pickle was born, so to speak, you know, there was a very distinct moment when, when like I landed on the name and it kind of just all the things that lived inside of me as a performer kind of just started mushing into this pickle, pickle. character. <laughs> into a pickle. <laughs> and I really feel like it was landing on the name that it was almost like on your laptop, like you'll have like a chaotic, messy desktop and then you'll be like, you'll make a folder and put everything in that folder and it streamlines it. It's like almost like I finally came up with a folder for what kind of performer I was. You know, I had, I always was a performer. I always was over the top, a singer, all these things, but it just never quite fit into, I couldn't categorize it. I couldn't make a tangible, you know, I couldn't make sense of it until I landed on Pickle. And it was like, oh my God, like this is who this is, you know? So over the years, it's only been like five years, but there are things that have stayed consistent. Like, you know, I think that Pickle is very maternal. They're kind of, she's an older, she's an older woman. Uh, she's kind of, I like to think of her as almost like a retired showgirl. Like that kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, she gives me like a lot of Gypsy Rose Lee vibes. Yeah, very like, oh, like my heyday was maybe in the 50s vaudeville, like kind of circuit. And now she's like, that's kind of just, those are things about her that have stayed kind of consistent, like that kind of personality. And um, But there are things that are also, I think that she's very sharp. She's like sharper than me. Like, you know, like when I, I find myself in these situations where she kind of takes out, she doesn't take, I know it sounds like an episode of the Twilight Zone, which actually <laughs> I, side note, I thought of this great, I was watching the Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone. And I was like, there should be an episode where there's a drag queen and the drag character is like telling him to like kill people 
Oh. Wouldn't that be so scary? I feel like that's drag serial mom, right? Like that's the John Waters film serial mom done drag. Yeah, like she's like putting on her makeup and then like in the mirror, the drag character is like, you should like push her down the stairs, like stuff like that. But then it's, okay, so that's an interesting thing because then that feels also like a little like split personality. Which is me. Like, this is just... Well, I had this idea. I was like, oh, and then he's like trapped in this character. It was like day five of like a really long work week. And I was just like getting into drag like three times a day. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I had this idea. And I was like, oh, wait, that's just my life right now. I just like feel trapped. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. So Uh, the murder was not me. (laughs) So it wasn't me. It was Pickle. But back to what I was talking about. Um, She's... She's almost like sharper than me. Like, you know, last night I did this this um kind of roast competition and I going into it like as Joe getting ready and like getting dressed, I was a little under the weather and I was like I'm not going to do this. Like, you know, like I can't think of anything funny to say. Like and then I got out there as Pickle and she I just like sometimes I am startled by like how quick I am. And like I mean, I know that sounds like braggy but it's like no no because it's, it's almost like yeah that's fascinating like a different kind of cognitive process takes over when I get on stage and it's just faster and sharper and like my brain is like more on and more alert and just able to say things so I'm always like kind of um I think that pickles comedic instincts are better than mine as a boy like you know there's things about her that have stayed consistent like that so do you think that which at what point in the process does does joe see the door and pickle enter uh i think it's when i like put on the wig and everything, like, you know, I mean, I'm my drag character is very close to myself. Like, I carry a lot of myself in it. I don't put on a voice, really. That's a lie I do. I, I, always, I always say that. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Bullshit. I'm just lying. Um, I think Pickle's a liar. <laughs> I have to backtrack. I think I really become Pickle when I finally, like, you know, put on the costume and the wig um, you know, and then I really come out of my shell and like start to act as her and kind of, you know, there's a lot of liberties that come with being in drag. You just get away with more, you know, you can be, you're expected to be a bigger personality. So it kind of takes over when you're finally like, oh, here I am in the room as Pickle. Like, you know, when I'm getting ready and I'm putting on my makeup, I'm still kind of, I'm a little bit of an introvert, you know, and then. It just starts to, like, take over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think a a very common misconception with, like, all creative people or all, like, all people, I think, that use, that where their work is very much themselves, you know, like, be you an astrologer or an actor or, like, you know, a singer or a drag queen, I think that, I think we're all doing drag on some level. You know, it's like with a drag queen, with me, it's more obvious. You know, I have a different name. I'm wearing a wig. I'm like, you know, I'm in more full makeup and there's kind of a personality. And I'm very grateful for the ability to kind of compartmentalize 
my work in that way. But I think everyone, like, you know, it's like when we have these conversations about famous actors, for example, it's like they are, you know, they have a personal life that they experience. It's just their life that we have no information about and aren't privy to. And then there's the personality that, like, we love or that we, like, you know, are fans of. And I think it's, you know, it's more nuanced when maybe you're not, like, putting on a wig and, like, you know, going full ham with the personality. But I think, you know, that's really where I I have... I have to draw boundaries as well in my personal life where I'm like, okay, like, you know, what am I doing in my day to day that's serving myself? Like, you know, that is self care. And what am I doing that's serving my career, which is pickle. And it's, it can be very easy for me to fall into the trap of like, all I'm doing is working, but because I like what I do, I can mistake it. For self-care. <laughs> and you're a Capricorn moon. And I am a Capricorn moon. So in a way, I mean, if the, we see the moon as our uh, a symbol of self-care, work for you is also self-care. Yeah, like so. I have to be active and I have to be thinking, but I also have to be mindful of those boundaries and being like, I need to take a day where I don't think about entertaining people. Because people can be very emotionally draining and like... <laughs> Not that I don't, like, I love people. I love performing and stuff. But I am very, I tend to be very, I'm a little bit not known. But, like, you know, I go to a club where I'm performing. And I go to the back and I get dressed. And then I get off stage. I take it off and I leave. Like, I don't really, I'm not super social. And part of it is because I really, that boundary is really important to me. Like, you know, like, I don't feel authentic necessarily when I'm like having a conversation as pickle. Like I'm performing, you know, like I'm entertaining people. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, like when I, if I'm like talking to you and I'm in full drag, like that is energy, you know? And I think people think that they're just having a conversation sometimes, but it's like, no, I'm like putting on a show for you for your enjoyment, right. which is like something that I'm paid to do. But I like to, when I run into people, like, you know, I'll be walking to a gig or something and I happen to be in full drag. And, like, there's these expectations from, like, people on the street, maybe, like, a civilian. <laughs> civilian. A plebeian. A, a, a groundling. <laughs> <laughs> They'll, like, expect me to, like, stop and, like, take a photo with them or, like, engage with them. And I don't because, not because Wait, I'm Wait, so what do you do? What do you do? Uh, sometimes like I ignore them or sometimes I just smile and wink but I'm like my thing is like you're not paying me totally like you know you like pickle is something that I've created that is profitable that is you know something that people want in their lives like not to sound like a dick but like you know I am I drag queens are not you know just because I'm in drag doesn't mean I have to engage with you you know I have a job. I have a place I'm going. Like, like with Uber drivers, too. I'm like, I don't have to have this conversation with you. I mean, don't even get me started with that shit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have to, like, engage with you. I don't have to make jokes because people pay me to make jokes and you're not paying me. In fact, it's the opposite. I'm paying you. So please <laughs> just drive me. Yeah. It's like, you know, and people just have this expectation that you're there to, like, entertain them. And I'm like, yes, if I am at the show... I am very professional. Like, I want to make sure that everyone's being entertained and that I'm doing my job. But if I'm, like, walking down the street, like, I don't owe you 
a conversation. I, I really, <laughs> really relate to that so much because I love astrology and I love to talk about astrology, but I find it to be – and and then I feel bad because people don't even know how offensive it is to ask me questions and not expect that those questions have a monetary value attached to them. Yeah. Like, like if you ask me an astrological question, like pay me to answer it yeah. because other people are paying me. So what makes you so special that – I'm going to tell you about who you're compatible with, but yet somebody is scheduling a session and doing the right thing by honoring my services in order to receive that answer. So those boundaries are, are difficult to talk about because I do think that people expect someone to give them what they want. Oh, yeah. Whenever I mean, they want. Or like <laughs> emotional, like vacuums you know it's like <laughs> but i mean i get emails all the time asking me to like participate in projects that are just like oh it's for like you know we're really trying to highlight your community or like you know like drag is something that no one's talking about and i'm like a drag is something that everyone is talking about so i don't know <laughs> where you've been and be like, like wrong no if a you wrong. don't if you i'm not obligated to like you know, I am in my personal life, I do things to be of service and I volunteer and I don't talk about it because that's what being of service is to me. Like, you know, it's like quietly doing things that nourish me spiritually. Like I have my own spiritual life. I have my own spiritual practices where I do participate in service and I do volunteer and I do give. That does not mean that pickle <laughs> has to volunteer her services for anything. You know, it's like we live in a capitalist society and we can either lean into it or not. But like if creatives don't embrace the capitalism that runs our country, then they're doomed, you know. What was the process of of monetizing Pickle? The process of monetizing Pickle was like very like one step at a time. Like, you know, I had to build a foundation like I did a lot when I started I did a, I did everything for free. Like, you know, I did, like, for a, a year and a half, I was just, like, gigging, like, you know, building. Because I wasn't... When you first start something, it's not good enough to be, like, you know, monetized. Like, you know, so I had to hone my makeup skills and hone my performances and, and really get to a point where it was, like, okay, like, you know, I've got this character. And it was... And how, how long into that process was it? Like, was it a year? Was it... Very slow and steady. You know, I'd say after a year and a half, I started getting booked for things for money. And then, you know, I started starting my own events and, you know, getting paid for that. And then I really... I took a leap. You know, I have never been good at day jobs. I can't do them. I just... I don't make money at them. I don't... <laughs> I know how to entertain and that's it. Like, that's the only thing I've ever been good at making money off. I really, like... I'm not a good waiter. I'm not a good... You know, I had, like, serving jobs and just didn't make... Like, I see people that have serving jobs who just make a bunch of money and I'm like, I was never that person. I know. Same. Some, I couldn't do it. Like, you know, I couldn't support myself off of day jobs. It was like... And I was like, well, this day job is redundant because it's not <laughs> doing anything for me. So I took a leap and it worked out. You know, you have... I tell people who ask me, like, 
you know, how do you like support yourself doing creative work? And I'm like, there's a leap. And if you're not willing to take the leap, it's not going to happen. And I know that sounds very like black and white or like, you know, but it's for me, it's my truth. Like I have to dedicate myself fully, like a full-time job to what I'm doing for it to support me just like any job, you know? And I tell people, I'm like, when they get like oh, a great serving job that makes them a lot of money and they're like trying to do that acting hustle on the side, I'm like, in seven years, if you're dedicating all your energy to the serving job, you're going to be a great server. You're not going to be a great actor. Right. Because <laughs> you're not dedicating your energy to acting. And like, it's, it, there's a level of like, oh, it sucks. Like, you know, like when I first took the leap, it was like, you know, yeah, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was like barely getting by. I lived on my mom's floor. Like, you know, like it wasn't great. You, not even a couch? Uh, no, floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's like, and I, it was embarrassing. And like, you know, I felt, but I just kept doing it. You know, I kept doing it. I kept showing up. I kept working. I kept, you know, being professional. I kept being on time. I kept like, you know, and slowly like, you know, abundance availed itself to me, you know, because I was available for it. And I started making more money and, you know, um, I booked a couple bigger, like, you know, national ad campaigns and that was great and financially. And like, you know, I still struggle with money. I struggle with managing my income. It's, it's difficult. Well, also, I mean, you have a big overhead. Like your yeah. costumes, your wigs, your makeup, that's really expensive stuff. It's the hardest part is like managing my overhead and seeing what is a business necessity and what, especially with something like drag, because it all seems so silly and fun. It's like hard to like sit down and, be, and like, you know, draw a grid and like, you know, this and this, because I just want to be like, oh, I want wigs, I want <laughs> shoes, I'm so fabulous, let's go shopping. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's hard. It's hard to manage your own business, which is what we're really doing. You know, we're small business owners. And um, so it's very challenging, but I'm getting better at it. And it's it's really one day at a time, one thing at a time, one skill at a time, one, you know, roadblock at a time. Well, we were talking when we were sort of riffing. Pre-gaming. Uh, pre-gaming this episode. Chugging vodka. <laughs> yes, when we were chugging vodka before this episode we were talking about how there really isn't you know a precedent in your path and obviously there's someone like the icon rupaul mm -hmm. who is three thousand years old and i don't know how has had like such an incredible Amazing. life she is really such rupaul is definitely an idol for me like you know, just her career. But like, yeah, like you said, like, and and for you as well, I would imagine, like, you know, how many, like, astrologers are there that are like, oh, that's like a, that's a model career, you know, like, ha like for drag queens, it's like, okay, there's RuPaul, and then there's like Sherry Vaughn, and then there's other, there's club queens, but like, you know, famous people that have like a career path that you can follow, you know, like RuPaul's career, like, you know, 
what I'm gonna move to Atlanta and be like a stripper, like right. you know, for a couple months and like right, and then it's gonna be like the early nineties. Like, yeah, it's gonna be the early nineties, and John Waters is gonna put me in something or like something like that is gonna happen. Like no, like I have to forge my own opportunities because I can't have RuPaul's career because it's it's not um it's not recreatable. I can't. There's no school. It's not like you go to law school or like there's not like you know ooh like you know, creative academy. It's like you have to, I have to build my own opportunities. But what I do do is I look at people like RuPaul and Alan Cumming, who's another inspiration of mine in terms of like career. And, and I, you also, I, I'm sorry, shout out to Sarah Lawrence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're in Sarah the Sarah Lawrence. Lawrence production of Cabaret. Uh, Hamilton. Shit. I, I was in high school. <laughs> Wait, I thought you did Cabaret. In high school, yeah. Like, even younger younger even uh, i was a virgin when i did that <laughs> even younger <laughs> so you are following this directly I in like, i will be you <laughs> um i look at people like alan coming and rupaul and what can be modeled you know what i can take away from looking at people like that is oh they were open and they were available and they said yes to these projects you know and they took a leap and they like those are the things that i can be like okay so i say yes you know i don't you know let my fear and anxiety make my business decisions mm -hmm. which is so easy when it's like you know some people show up to a job and they have a boss and the boss makes these decisions and then they have tasks but it's like for us <laughs> We are our boss. So mm -hmm. it's like I am simultaneously having to make big decisions and do little tasks, you know, and just be like a worker among workers. So it's challenging. Do you have like a long term goal? Like, would you want to, you know, is I guess because these could be different things, right? Being a contestant on Drag Race could be different than hosting drag race right like that could be a different career path even that like slight differentiation between those things like would is there a particular goal that you're reaching towards or something that you are imagining as your future i try to maintain a balance between long-term goals and short-term goals so i have like weekly gigs that i do that i really i have to stay focused on and make sure that i'm showing up to the gigs and doing the best I can and taking my singing lessons and going to the gym and like, you know, maintaining my body, like my health and everything. And then I have long-term goals that are more like, you know, I want to have a TV show. Like, you know, I want to, um, I want to be on Broadway. I want to do those things. And those are more like, you know, it's, I have things that are in development or that are like, you know, being shopped around or stuff like, you know, and I have to tend to those and, and do those. So I do have long-term goals. Like, you know, I want to be a star. Um, and and Pickles wants to be a star. Yeah, and Pickle, <laughs> Pickle will do whatever it takes. <laughs> I'm a little bit more, more like, let's not kill anyone. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, I... I was very shy about saying that for a long time. Like, I think this is probably the first time I'm saying, like, you know, on, on a podcast or anything, like, I want to be a star. But, like, I do. And I think that it's a huge hurdle for people to admit, like, I want to I do that. Like, you have to, if you're, like, if you want limelight, half of it is feeling that you deserve it. But I want to be famous for what I do because I really feel like I do it 
really well. Like, you know, it's like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I work really hard. I'm not someone who, you know, when I was in middle school, I did like school plays and the drama teacher was like, said something that I will never forget. <laughs> you know, in front of the whole class, she was like, Joe is a really good, Joe is a really good example of someone who like, you know, isn't very talented, but has a really good work ethic. Shut up. She said that. And I was mortified at the time, obviously, because like, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm that's not a talented. crazy it was thing. kind of a cruel thing to say to a child. Would um, you say that during Drag Queen Story Hour? Dude, so no, never. it's like a horrible thing to say. I had several teachers, performing arts teachers, who knew who worked with me when I was like, you know, a child and a teenager, and I was not a natural. You know, I was I've never been a natural. Like, what does I, that mean, though? What like, is... There are people that are like great dancers, and they're just good dancers. Like you know, it comes kind of naturally to them, or like you know, they've just got great voices. I have had to work at it so hard just to get to like square one and I've had teachers like you know in middle school and high school who are like Joe's not very talented but he like works hard (laughs) and I carried that with me you know and I was like yeah but on the inside I was like I know I'm a star so I'm just gonna (laughs) take the compliment out of that comment and keep working hard and I did and like You know, so I work really, really hard, but now I have, you know, the awareness that they were being dicks. But like, yeah, I mean, in like a, I mean, that could like destroy somebody. But I think the fact that it didn't. Yeah, I mean, right. Like, that's, that's like a testament to your resilience. But like, if you're out there listening to this, the teachers of Hamilton High School, which I know you are, I know you are. Miss Kashope. Don't say that. Sorry. No, no, you also you don't I say that. Her dress. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't say that, they don't say it. No one says it. Well, what I really took away from that experience was like, don't ever tell someone that they can't. Or like or like you never know. You just don't know what people are capable of. So I always tell kids, like, yeah, you can do that. Well, it's you know, in <laughs> astrology I have been asked, um, I get asked very often, like, what should I do? Like, what is, what's a good job for me? And the answer is like, what do you want to do? Right. Like I'm a fucking fortune teller. I'm not, but like, what do you want to do? Cause we can make this work. We can figure out how to align all of your natural abilities to achieve whatever you want to achieve. There's no like set fate of what you are going to do. That would be a bummer, right? Yeah. And I love that. And that's why I love astrology as well. It's like, and we've had this conversation before where it's like, I think there's a misconception. I was just having this conversation with someone. I mentioned, I was like, oh, I'm going on. I'm really excited. I'm going on this podcast with my cousin who's an astrologer. And this idiot was like, oh, I just like don't believe and all of that. And I was like... Nobody stepped on their toes. I did. I was like... I just, <laughs> I was so confounded by the idiocy of that statement because it was like... It's not about believing. It's like science. I was like, to refute astrology is to refute astronomy. 
And I, th- <laughs> I think that people have this misconception that like astrology is about like fate. And it's like, or that like, you know, like you, like you're going to tell people what's going to happen to them. But I've always thought of it as like a roadmap, you know, it's like, oh, these are things that are weaknesses of my character and strengths of my character. So how can I use those to navigate the world? You know, that's why astrology is, is so useful to me is that like, you know, when you first read my chart years ago, years and years and years ago. We're so old. <laughs> we're so old. <laughs> Something that really stuck with me from that reading was you identifying my Mars and Cancer and about how like, you know, I was in work situations, it's difficult for me to ask for what I really need, you know, and, and I can be passive aggressive. And I have, st- I still use that, you know, I still am able to like, in work situations, I'll come up against a situation. I'll be like, oh, but remember, like, you know, my Mars is in, or my Cancer is in Mars. My- Your Mars is in Cancer, yeah. <laughs> my Cancer is on Mars. <laughs> my <laughs> Mars is in Cancer. So my impulses my first thoughts might not be the most productive thoughts. So like, you know, I'm able to, I use it as a roadmap, you know, it's so helpful. That's amazing. This is like, that's, you've made my day. That is so cool to hear because that is exactly how we should use astrology. We should use it not just to be like, oh, well, like here comes a passive aggressive comment because my Mars is in cancer. Like instead it's like check yourself and be like, okay, my first inclination is going to be to snap my my claws and be a little crabby bitch about this. But I'm going to choose not to do that because I have free will and I have choice. And there's so much nuance. And it's a pet peeve of mine is when people use like half-baked astrology to justify their unpleasant behavior. They'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm late. Mercury retrograde. And I'm like, no, you're late because you didn't plan. Right. You're late because like. (laughs) You're late. You're late. (laughs) Like Mercury didn't make me late. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, these are just things that we need to be conscious of that, you know, and how can you, I, I was thinking about it last night. I was like, God, like what, like what a concept that. You know, it is so I was I was like, why do we need to know the exact time that we were born for the chart? And I was like, oh, my God, like, like the universe, every it's gravity, right? Like, you know, it's like the universe, like, how can you how can you refute that at the exact moment you were born, the Earth has a very specific gravitational relationship with all the other bodies floating in the universe, you know, and that is how can you say that that's not going to affect your development and your personality and who you are you know it's like it's like it's physics you know it's (laughs) it's like how are you gonna say that like a star like million billions and billions and billions of light years away if we can see the light of that star that star is affecting us you know so it's like it's such a nuance so when I hear people say idiotic things like well I don't believe that and I'm like well people believe that the earth is flat so <laughs> you can right like you whatever can, like mull over what you believe and don't believe but it's like you know science science implores us to be- have faith a lot like there's so much faith in science you know? right like which have- I find to be something a little bit problematic because if we think about and this is I have to be so careful with this statement because this is like what skeptics 
skeptics. I don't even want to use that word. It's so scary. Like want to sink their teeth into. But scientific theory was really developed and honed during the Enlightenment. Amazing things came out of it. But a lot of the reason that it was developed in the first place was to justify racism and oppression and societal classicized systems. And ultimately, who had the tools, the literal scientific tools to do that were people in very particular classes of a, of a very similar demographic. And those were the people who were deciding what was science and what wasn't science. So everything that could not be proven didn't exist anymore, which is just a really stupid ass way so of absurd. seeing the world, right? <laughs> like there's a lot of things just because it took us thousands of years to discover um, like the atom doesn't mean the atom didn't exist before then, right? Just because we couldn't yeah. figure out that people were dying of strokes and we would say they died of old age. Like, no, they died of a stroke. And now we know that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like science is constantly developing and evolving. Right. And we just it's like vocabulary. It's like defining things. Yeah, exactly. It's like when I was thinking about how like people are like, oh, well, you know, there's a black hole. So everything like astrologers have said is wrong or whatever. Like, you know, it's like. No, it's just new language for phenomena that have been happening already. Like, you right. know, we've still existed. Right. I actually read recently that um, when a new, well, just even separately, whenever there is interest in space, there's always interest in astrology. Those two things always are corresponding. But specifically, whenever a new celestial body or major galactic discovery is found, it usually, from a symbolic place, how astrologers and the leaders of those communities really try to figure out what it is, is just merely a reflection of society at that time. So when Uranus was discovered by the telescope, it became the planet associated with technology because at that time during the Enlightenment, that was the thing, was technology. When Pluto was discovered in 1930, it became the planet of transformation, destruction, because that was after World War One, yeah. right before World War Two. Like there was a lot of unrest and transformation going on. Great paintings. Great works. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then when Chiron was discovered in the 70s, it was associated with emotional pain. And that is because we had already at that point started to understand the role of therapy and trauma within society so with this black holes discovery like duh like we're in a fucking black hole right now yeah, as a world like sure. <laughs> we're feeling that too so obviously our relationship with it is going to mirror how we're symbolically seeing the science yeah i mean to me it's like a no-brainer but you know people people <laughs> so i wanted to ask you another question um which I, I think is quite curious because it's something that I also am always reconciling is like, how do you differentiate? How do you like store your energy? And I know that you had mentioned like when you go, when you perform somewhere, like you go and you do your thing and then you leave. And that's amazing because that's what you're getting paid for. But like when, like what if somebody wants you to do something that you just feel like is totally degrading? Do you come up with those situations often where you just feel like you're being 
asked to do something that is just like soul sucking. Oh yeah, totally. I get hired sometimes to like, you know, just like walk around a rich person's party, like dressed to the nines as like literally a prop. Oh, and people are horrible. Like people just like, you know, you're coming into contact with people who don't have any relationship to drag. So it's like just all the, the old rich guys are like, God, you're huge. Like, literally, like, a circus freak. Like, you know, like, you are gigantic. Like, you know, and just, like, people looking at you and taking photos with you is very humiliating. And, um, but I do it. Uh, I just ask for a lot of money. (laughs) I, and I, you know, it can be very soul-sucking, but I kind of remember, like, uh, there's always going to be something I don't want to do. You know, no matter what, like work is work. Like, you know, there are going to be gigs that I don't want to do. There are going to be shows that I find, you know, I'm like tap dancing or like, you know, really like putting on the Ritz or like, or audiences that I don't like. Like, you know, I have to put that, I have to leave that at the door sometimes and be like, this is the reality of this career. Like, you know, sometimes um, if the money is good enough. Right. So I, yeah, so it's so good. Yeah. So that's what I have found too is that I, the only way that I will do something where I feel like I'm being put in a position to be like the hired entertainment, like you guys, we got a real astrologer. Yeah. She's going to be in a tent. She's going to do, yeah. She's going to read your fortunes and like already from the jump, I'm like, okay. First of all, if you actually knew what astrology was about, you would not want an astrologer at your bachelorette party because I'm going to talk about your ancestral wounds and your <laughs> and your fucking shitty ass unavailable father and you're going to cry. I have kind of like an not an autopilot, like I bring 100% to everything that I say yes to, but like you know, I I have a mentality sometimes when I'm doing gigs that are a little bit more like, you know, call bingo at like whatever, which I enjoy doing but are a little bit less in line with like, you know, my aspirations. And, and I, I'm like, I'm just going to give them what they want. You know, like I'm going to be sassy. I'm going to tell the jokes. I'm going to like, you know, put on the Ritz, so to speak. And, and it helps like, you know, it's kind of like almost like not autopilot, but autopilot, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, okay, like, you know, this is what they want. This is what they're paying for. This is what they're going to get. Like, you know, and I'm going to do it well. And, you know, it and it's less, I try not to think of it as degrading. Cause it's like, okay, you know, um, at the end of the day, they're supporting this community. Even if they're, you know, maybe their language is a little bit, like, problematic or, like, you know, by supporting me financially, they're supporting this work, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately. And 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 I try to remember that. Like, you know, I do, I go in for a lot of auditions for, like, you know, um, ooh, we're going to have you in the mirror, like, putting on your eyelashes. Like, literally every audition. But I try to remember, like, you know, money is power. And money is, um, if they're paying me, then they're supporting my community. Because I'm able to, like, support myself and do what I do. And, like, you know, I think that that's, I think there's, there is a special energy in that. Even if maybe I take fault with, like, the way they do it. Or, like, you know, oh, God, like, you know they're they are still supporting me you know on some level so I try to remember that um do you feel like ever competitive or jealous or is there a lot of like tea get being spilled in the community about like 
somebody coming out of nowhere and this is an overnight sensation? Like, is there any of that kind of rhetoric in, among your fellow queens? Oh, totally. I mean, jealousy is something that just comes up, you know? Like, it's one of those feelings that you it's hard to manage. Like, it'll just pop up. And I just, what I do is I pray for other people's success. So if I find myself feeling jealous of another, like, and it's usually performers that are, um, you know, have been doing it the same amount of time. It's always, I always find it with people that are very similar to me who are doing similar things, who are getting similar opportunities. And it's like, obviously, if someone gets a big role on a TV show, my first feeling is going to be like, why isn't it me? Like, you know, that's just human nature. But so what I do is I, I immediately just pray for like them to be succeed and to do well and to get everything that they deserve and like abundance. And that, that allows I, because I'm then spiritually participating in their success, I can't be jealous because it's like, well, I'm participating in it. You know, it's... Oh, that is amazing. That's a really cool technique. It really helps. That's really cool. And sometimes I have to do it, like, I, there are people that I pray for that I've been praying for their success for, like, six months because it takes a long time to, like, get to really wean out that, that jealousy. And I have to be very patient with myself. Um, and then I just don't act on it. You know, I don't talk about it. I don't, like, I really believe that when you when you the our words and our actions are where we give power to our feelings you know feelings aren't facts like if i feel jealous it doesn't make me a jealous person what would make me a jealous person is acting on that jealousy is would be talking shit about them or saying they don't deserve it like you know that is when i become a jealous person mm-hmm. like my feelings don't define me so where can we where can we find you? What is the best way for us to find you either IRL or digitally? You're gonna say IRS. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, you'll find me. <laughs> for I, all of us. I'm on Instagram is the easiest at pickle drag queen. Um, all my information is there. That's really the platform that I that I use the most. I am I really wanna get I'm also on Twitter at pickle drag queen. I really wanna up my Twitter game. It's so hard for me to do social media. I'm just not like that's why I love like following you on Instagram. I just think you're I love so following funny. you on Instagram. Like I love I have such admiration for people that are just so funny on social media. Like I just think it's such an art and such a craft. I I think you are so funny on social media. But like memes and stuff. Like I I'll never be that girl. So I appreciate it so much because it's just it really makes me laugh. I feel like well my favorite my one of my favorite things that you post and I hope you continue to are the times when you're sitting in the back of an Uber in in full makeup and hair like glam ready and the Uber driver is just like either like querying you on like what you're up to or just like doing that like ramble off of like how their day was and you're just sitting there like oh like, my, oh my god. god I am not that girl like, <laughs> <laughs> like please don't talk to me <laughs> those are my favorite stories you post I, I, I drove for Lyft and I hated talking to people so I always am like I'm not gonna talk thank you so much thank you such a pleasure and an honor it was a pleasure and an honor <laughs> was a pleasure and an honor 
And I I love you. I love you too, cuz. I'm so I just love having like a celebrity astrologer cousin. That's I love so having fun. a celebrity drag queen. Like I can't wait until we're like cousin. in a private jet, like going I know. on our vacation to like Mykonos or something. Yes. That's a place. Love you. Bye.